Kowalski is taking a tour of duty in the children's uh, ministry today. So, which also reminds me that you're also welcome to do that as well. Anytime that you would uh, would like, we've she's she's done. I think she's doing once a quarter even, and uh, um, some of you may do once a month. Maybe it's like once every six months, once a year. But um, but man, those children they they need us, and it's not just babysitting. It's uh, it's raising up fire breathing men and women of God, right? Come on, come on. So she, that's where she is this morning, and uh, and so I'm excited to be with you guys right now. Um, man, this uh, this prayer series, man, it's been really on my heart. This message today, just uh, wrestling uh, with it a little bit, uh, because there there is there's an aspect of prayer that is uh, that's mysterious. Um, you know, because there's times, there's times when you pray and it happens like right now, and then there's times when you pray and it doesn't happen right now. It, hap- it, it, it takes, takes a long time. And, uh, um, and when, do you, when do you stop praying and when do you keep praying and, and, and all of this? And it, and it becomes, uh, there's a place of mystery in that. And so I want to kind of hopefully tackle some of that for us today and encourage us um, and, and again, you know, go back to the word and, and, make, and make sure that what I'm saying lines up with, with what you're reading and everything. I always, I always say that it's not just, um, man, I, I don't want you to just take my word for it. Um, man, get in, get in the word yourself. We started off the series, and every week I've been, I've been uh, you know, using, wielding my, my walking stick. Uh, we started off the series talking about um, Honey the Circle Maker. And we, um, I, I, took man i read this book the circle maker um oh, a couple different times and it really challenged me to pray and not give up to to draw circles around the things that i'm praying for and um mark batterson wrote this book the circle maker and and uh and he has this policy that the uh, that people can just take and, and use his stuff and make it the way they want it and so i think i thank god for pastors like that they give away their material uh, so i just want to give honor to whom honors do but um honey the circle maker he he lived um, kind of between the testaments, if you if you remember. And there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Between the testaments, there's about 400 years that a lot of people call the silent period because um, there's no recorded word of God in those 400 years. And right towards the end of that 400 years, the generation before Jesus lived honey. And uh, um, and this was a this was a time when there was a great drought in the land. If you remember me talking about this, and it was it was an incredible drought that almost wiped out that generation before Jesus. And so Honey um, was a man of prayer and uh, quickly became known as the as a rainmaker because uh, because of his persistent prayer for rain to come. Anybody remember other rainmakers in the Bible, right? You know, um, and and so he uh, Elijah was one. So Honey, just outside the walls of Jerusalem, grabbed his, his stick, his walking stick, and he drew a circle in the sand. And he drew that circle and put his stick down and got on his knees before the Lord and said, Lord, now this is bold. He said, Lord, I'm not leaving this circle. I'm not leaving this circle until it rains again. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. Anyone ever prayed a bold prayer like that? I'm not leaving this circle until it, until it rains. And he captured the heart of the Lord because a little bit later it started to sprinkle. And Honey was like, wait a minute, I didn't ask for just a sprinkle. I asked for a downpour. Pretty soon it, it poured. And it was pouring so much that it started to flood, and people were running for high ground and on the Temple Mount and things like this. And, and Honey revised his prayer and said, maybe just like a steady downstream. Maybe just, you know... And, and the Lord did that. That happened uh, the generation before Jesus. Man, praying circles, not giving up. The title of today's message is just that, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Um, I, uh, I wonder about this, um, this word or this phrase, persistent prayer sometimes. Like, why? <laughs> why, why persistent prayer? And, and what, like what hinders my prayers? Like, am I just praying persistent prayers and, and, and yet the Lord's like, I'm not gonna answer that one, right? Like, like wouldn't you wanna know if you're pleading with heaven and God's like, hey, ch- change the prayer request or, or change your heart or, or, you know, like this is never gonna happen. Wouldn't you wanna know that? I would, I would. 
And when am I supposed to just not give up for like even my whole life, like 70 years? When, when am I supposed to pass the baton on to my grandkids and say, I've prayed my whole life, now it's your turn? Like when, when is it the never give up type of prayer? And when is it like, no, no, change your heart, change your request type of prayer? Wouldn't you want to know? I'd want to know that. I'd want to know. Here's the main thought today. Persistent prayer works best when I have God's heart and he has mine. Persistent prayer works best when I have God's heart and he has mine. Doesn't that kind of start to pull things into focus just a little bit? It it starts to to make me think that, again, like I've said before, he's not this cosmic gumball machine in the sky where I get to put a quarter in and get an answer out. It doesn't just work like that. There's there's an aspect of of prayer, in fact, a huge, in fact, maybe the majority of prayer where it's like, like, I'm talking with my father. I'm talking with my my savior. I I know him and he knows me and, and, and that's how I pray bold prayers because I actually know him. I have relationship with him. And some of you, and I'm not shooting this at anybody because I don't know where each person's at in their journey with Jesus, but some of you have prayed bold prayers and yet you don't even know him. He doesn't know you or, or maybe, you, maybe you just haven't been living for him or maybe, maybe he's just a, a, a piece of your life instead of your whole life and you're just like, I prayed, I prayed. And he's like, he's like before we answer that, let's get this thing right. I, I'd like to have your heart and, and I want you to have mine. I started thinking about, um, you know, what types of things might hinder our prayers. Man, this isn't an exhaustive list, but I I came up with six things, and um, maybe maybe you'd add to this. But here's a few things. Uh, Man, you're praying, you're praying your heart out, and you're wondering, what what might hinder my prayers? Well, how about I submit this to you? Pride or selfish motives might, might hinder your prayers. Any of you, I mean, just admit it, any of you ever just have pride or selfish motives and you're just like, man, I want, yeah. James 4, 3 talks about that. If you wanted to write that down and look it up. Man, if you, if you pray, but you're praying with selfish motives, he's like, he's like man, your, your prayer might not be answered. There's this place where, where I have to kind of submit to God and, and say, man, I really do want what you want and I don't just want what I want. I'm, I don't want to just pray my will in fact that's one of them praying our own will man i would encourage you pray don't just pray your will pray god's will (laughs) and and some of you you're like all right and i hear it back right now if we were to just be in a conversation over coffee some of you'd be like well pastor jonathan how do i even know if it's my my will or god's will and i would say here number one i would ask him it'd be a good idea ask him Ask him if it's his will, and, and you're like, well, I don't know. If I, I mean, maybe I, maybe I don't hear clearly. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else. Here's, here's five things you could do real quick if you're wondering. I, I kind of test, if I'm wondering, is this God's will or not God's will? Is this thing, I feel like I've heard from God, I'm not sure. Uh, what, t- test it against the word of God, no, number one. Does it line up with Bible? Number two, test it with the character of God. Does it line up with who he is? Number three, I would test it. If someone's saying, slow down, slow down, I, I, you, can come and get, you can come and get my notes later if you want. <laughs> Email it. Right. If, number three, I would test it with the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. There's that, there's that place where, the, where, where I mean, it's, it, in fact, that's kind of an, old, uh, an old-time phrase where, where we're just like, how do you know? Man, I don't know. There's this something inside me. There's like this inner witness of the Holy Spirit, right? Man, you get that. You get that thing inside you, and it's like, yeah, this is right. There's peace. There's, there's resonance from Holy Spirit. Number four, I would test it with trusted spiritual counsel. I say spiritual counsel because you're talking about spiritual information. You probably want spiritual counsel. And there's often times where I'm like, I feel like this is from God, and I talk to my wife, or I talk to, to a pastor, or I talk to somebody that I trust spiritually. I'm like, what? Yeah, and, and so we're testing, testing the Word of God. We're testing the the rhema word of God right there. Here, lastly, I would, I, would, uh, I would test it with confirmation. Man, I feel like, feel like I've heard God. I'm waiting on this thing because I want, I want to have some confirmation that I'm praying right, that I'm praying. And I would encourage you, pray in accordance with God's will because when you're praying your own will, man, that, those prayers are hindered. You want something else? Here's, here's four more things. Doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief will, is a toxic cocktail that will hinder your prayers. 
In fact, in fact that you could write down this reference, James chapter 1, 5, 5 through 8, talks about doubt and unbelief. You, you, you pray, you ask, but you have doubt and unbelief, and you're just like this, this wave of the sea. Like, like no one should expect to, to get anything from God that way. Oh you, want, oh, you want to know another one? This is kind of interesting. Um, like family discord and strife. Um, that'll hinder your prayers. You, know, you want to know how I know? Well, well, the Bible talks about, the Bible talks about at least the husband. So wives, you might be off the hook. I kind of feel like you're not. I kind of feel like you're not. But, but, uh, but definitely the husband's, uh, uh, Bible talks about that in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, if you're, like if you're not honoring your wife and you're living in this way towards your wife, like, like, like discord and all of this, God's not going to hear your prayers. Did you know that? Husbands? Hello, look at me. Man, how many times have I had to, I go into prayer and the Lord's like, I'm only going to listen to one type of prayer right now. It's called Repentance. And, and, and you better, better get up and go make that right with Becky. You, you better, right? There's times. There's times where I'm just like, Jesus. And he's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> so we wonder, you know, why are our prayers hindered sometimes? I'm praying with persistency. And, and, and he's, like, he's like, would you make that right with your spouse? Wives, I was a little bit joking. I'm pretty sure you're included. Hey, and uh, lastly, number six, um, this is a big one, um, and I've got references for all those if you want them. Uh, unconfessed sin, that'll hinder your prayers. Unconfessed sin. The good news is, the Bible says that if you confess your sin, what? He's faithful to forgive you your sin, and not just forgive you. I, I, love, I love being the forgiveness part and that, that's good, but he takes it a step further and he says, and to purify you of all unrighteousness. Unconfessed sin, that'll, that'll hinder your prayers every time. So let's just say, uh, I mean, let's say we've, we've taken care of, of like at least these six, maybe there are more, but, but our heart's in the right place and we, we, we've gone through that list and I, like I feel like I've dealt with my pride and selfish motives. I feel like, like, like there's no issue of doubt and unbelief. I'm, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm stomping, I'm, like I got this. There, there's no problem with my faith level and, let's, let's, you know, and I've made things right with Becky and, and uh, there's, there's uh, oh, oh, did I already, did I miss, I think, there was, I, think I only did five. Did, did I also tell you uh, um uh, unforgiveness, that'll do it. Yeah, unforgiveness will do it. I say I've forgiven people and I've confessed my sin and, I've, and I'm to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my knowledge and ability, like I'm praying in accordance with God's will. I've got to that place. And now we start, now we can start talking about persistent prayer. Now we're, now we're in a good spot to say, pray and don't give up. 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 There's a, there's a passage, there's actually a parable. Jesus uh, wanted to prove this exact point to his disciples. And, and so watch this in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable. A parable would, is, is like a story with, with a point. Jesus did that all the time. He tells a story and it means something. And, and he says, here's a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Man, this is a great guy. This is a great guy. This, this is the one you want to invite over for Thanksgiving. And even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. One version says, because this widow keeps wearing me out, right? I think another version talks about, because this woman is so crazy. I think it's actually said the word crazy. It says this, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> 
Like she just keeps going. Remember, why is Jesus sharing this story, this parable? He's comparing this to prayer. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him, how much? Day and night. Will he keep putting them off? It's like, man, if the unjust judge, if, if you can wear him out, and so he's like, fine. I just, I just think about, like, he's, he's an actual judge. I'm thinking about, like, like, even in our society, a judge. Imagine going to the judge's house at night. That's wrong on all, on all levels. I mean, she broke every, every protocol and went to the judge's house. Somehow, he's like, he's like fine, she's not going to give up. I'm going to give her what she wants. I'm going to give her what she wants. I mean, this parable of the persistent widow, it, it shows us what praying hard looks like. Knocking until your knuckles are raw. Crying until your voice is lost. Pleading until your tears run dry. Praying hard is praying through. One version, I remember, says she's wearing me out. It's a boxing terminology. She's, wear, she's wearing me down. She's wearing me down. Dance like a butterfly, sting like a bee, right? You know, she's wearing me down. Praying hard is more than words. It's blood, sweat, and tears. There comes a moment when you need to throw caution to the wind and draw the circle in the sand. We don't know... Um, you know, everything that was going on, what injustice this widow faced, whatever it was, it was important to her. And I think we can kind of, I, I think it doesn't say exactly so that maybe we could put our story in there. Whatever it was, the judge knew she would never give up. I wonder, does the judge know that about you and about me? That there's this persistence factor, that there's this, no quit that's in you. Does the judge know that about you? How desperate are you for the miracle? Desperate enough to pray through the night, man. Some of you, you've been praying for the salvation of someone for years. Some of you have been praying for a health condition for years. Some of you have been praying for a breakthrough in a certain area for years. Some of you, the Lord's put something on your heart and said, would you be the one? Would you be the one to pray? Would you pray with me? And, and man, and how... Uh, man, I don't, I, uh, there's a mystery there, right? Like, well, man, can't we just like pray once? Can I just be faithful and come and kneel in the altar or kneel in my, my prayer chair or wherever you pray in your car? Can I just pray one time? How many, would anybody like that? I don't know. I don't know how, why it works this way. I'm gonna, I have a few things I, I'm, I'm considering later in the message, but but for some reason, there are some things, there's some breakthrough that takes more than once, takes more than twice, probably takes more than three times, probably takes weeks and months and years. I mean, you guys know that. How many times have you prayed for our country? How many times have you prayed for the president? Any of you ever mustered up a prayer for the ending of human trafficking? Any of you ever mustered up a prayer for the ending of, of uh, abortion? Any of you ever mustered up something for even just something big in your own life? Have you ever just, and, and it's like, oh, man, it didn't just happen. It wasn't just one prayer. For some reason, there are certain things that we keep praying and we don't give up and we contend and we contend and we contend. There's a mystery around that. Um, there's a guy named, uh, in fact, some of my Spanish friends, you guys remember a, a guy named Roberto Duran? Roberto Duran, he's a Panamanian former professional boxer. Do you guys remember this guy? He was widely regarded as one of the greatest boxers of all time. A versatile brawler in the ring. He was nicknamed Manos de Piedra. Ooh, good job, Pastor Jonathan. Nice, nice. Hands of stone. In 2002, Duran was voted by The Ring magazine as the fifth greatest fighter of the last 80 years. So now we're up, what, 100 years probably. Well, while boxing historian Burt Sugar rated him as the eighth greatest fighter of all time. 
The Associated Press voted him as the number one lightweight of the 20th century, with many considering him the greatest lightweight of all time. Duran held world titles in four different weight classes, lightweight, welterweight, light middleweight, and middleweight. After defeating, some of you know this name, Sugar Ray Leonard in Montreal, Duran gained iconic status in his homeland, Panama. Then he, after his return to Panama, he initiated the, the rematch clause and asked for the fight to be the following November. Duran was never good at keeping his weight down, and he would party, and he would eat, and all of this stuff, and Leonard knew this. And what transpired at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans on November 25th would, be, would forever be considered one of the most controversial events to happen inside a boxing ring. Leonard, in the second round, decided to change tactics and began using his natural advantages of footwork and movement and speed. And this presented a, a much more elusive target for Duran. In the seventh round, after Leonard had gained a slight lead on the scoreboards, Leonard began showboating and taunting and mocking Duran. The prideful Panamanian champion was visibly frustrated and was unable to get Leonard against the ropes, and that was a tactic that he used to much success in the first fight. Halfway into the eighth round, Duran suddenly stopped fighting. He turned to the referee while waving his arms and said in Spanish, <clears throat> no mas. See? Yeah. Got it. There are a few more theories on why Duran gave up. Some say he had stomach cramps. Others believe he was frustrated and quit out of humiliation. And some think he simply knew he was going to lose and decided to take the easy way out. It'll be forever known as the no mas fight. Roberto Duran. He's one of the greatest fighters of all time, but there's this fight that he'll always be remembered for, no mas. I think about that. Man, I don't want to go down in the spiritual history like that. I don't want to go down like that where, I, where I'm, I, I, I throw in the towel and I say no more. Anybody want that type of legacy? No. No, we want the legacy that says, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Man, if I've got the heart of God and he's got my heart and I know I'm praying, I'm praying prayers of faith and alignment with him, I'm not giving this thing up, even though it looks like, man, I'm not making any progress. It, it feels like sometimes my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, whatever it might feel like. I'm saying, man, no, I will never give up. I will never give up. I will ne no matter how long this takes, man, I might be, be old and white-haired and barely able to move, or, or I might be passing the baton to my great-grandkids, whatever it might be, and there's no quit in me. There's no quit. Never give up. And the question still comes, why do some things take persistent prayer? There were a few things. Just There were four things that came to my mind, and you may find more. Why do some things take this type of prayer and other things, like, like it seems to happen instantly? And there were four things that popped into my heart. N number one is, is free will. You, know, I, you don't need to raise your hand. You can if you want. How many are praying for a friend or a family member to give their heart to Jesus? <laughs> yeah, lots of us. I bet if I asked you to, to, to think of a, of a name or at least a face, it would just come across the movie screen of your mind right now. I bet. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been pleading, God, why? God, why? And there's this place of free will. Deuteronomy 30 puts it this way in verse 19. It says, This day I, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. In other words, two choices. Blessings and curses. And he commends them, choose life so that you and your children may live. Here's a thought that you might want to write down. God will do everything he can outside of violating our free will to put us in a position to cry out to him for salvation. 
I believe that. I believe that God will do everything he can. As I'm praying and I'm kneeling and I'm wearing out my jeans on the carpet and I'm saying, Lord, would you get him? Would you capture his heart? Lord, would you, would you, would you get her? Would you turn her from her ways? When I'm, when I'm praying and I've got their name and I've got their face and I'm pleading on, on their behalf to heaven's, heaven's throne room, I, I believe that there, are, that there are angels being dispatched. <laughs> I, I think that God will, will put things in people's path that, that he'll, he'll encourage someone's heart to, to go and to talk to them and to build relationships relationship, that a Christian co-worker is going to come near them, that an angel is going to show up, that something's going to happen, that the Lord's moving heaven and earth to bring them all the way up to that point, except for making them choose him. Except for deciding for them. Oh, he wants to. Oh, man, God's heart, he wants to just make the choice for them and for you. He wants to. He wants to, but he just loves you too much. He loves you too much. He loves your friend. He loves your neighbor. He loves your family member too much to make the choice for them. That's why the, the, the whole Genesis principle, it, it started in Genesis with a choice. And, and, and some people are like, well, why do bad things happen? And why doesn't this person give their heart to the Lord and all of this? Man, because, because free will actually represents the love of God. <laughs> he didn't make a bunch of robots that, that he just pushes a couple buttons and they will follow me. They will choose me. No, 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 no. He didn't make robots. He made human beings and, and he decided that the greatest act of love would be that he would give them choice to decide to choose him or to decide to not choose him. And so sometimes that persistence in prayer for friends and family and loved ones and people all across this city and nation and world, the people that, that we're pleading for, sometimes persistence in prayer is just, Lord, would you, would you give them one more shot would you do one more thing would you put something else in their way that that they might cry out lord would you would you show them your glory would you would you do something that would lead them up to that point he can't make them do anything but he can he can sure make it really really hard to go to hell and he's going to do that as you don't give up being persistent in prayer you want to know another one god's timing why do some things take persistent prayer? God's timing. Oh, this is, man, you got to go there, pastor. Yeah, this is, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. I don't, I don't, I don't get it sometimes. Because sometimes I'm just like, hey, makes perfect sense to me. The timing makes perfect sense to me, Lord. Like now or yesterday. I'll give you a week. It's his timing. And it gets so frustrating sometimes, but some of you guys know Isaiah 55. Starting in verse 8, God, in his majesty and in his sovereignty, he says, he says it this way. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so I have just found, man, and I'm, I'm pushing 40 this year. I haven't been, I've been alive more than some of you and, and alive less than a lot of you. Um, just joking, but seriously. But I've found that his timing is rarely my timing. Isn't that just kind of frustrating? And so part of this place of prayer this this type of prayer that we call persistent prayer is just realizing that his timing isn't my timing for whatever reason you're god and i'm not you're the potter and i'm the pot bunch of just a bunch of potheads um I, that was terrible it's terrible 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 i was like that's a dad joke you know, for years, I just wanted to be married. And for years. Um, since I was like 12, right? You know, <laughs> like, bring her around the corner, God. You know, yeah. at, at, at least when I was legal age, 18 or whatever, right? Man, man marriage, man. And there were, man, there were uh, a good handful of different girls throughout 
time that, man, I, I knew, I just knew this is going to be the one. And just even giving my heart away even, right? And just knew, this is, Lord, and then crush and crush. In fact, I was just talking with some friends from high school recently over, have you guys do that, that, that app, Marco Polo, where you can talk do some video chatting? And so we'd, we're doing this video chat with some friends from high school. It's been a, it's been fun reconnecting. Um, uh, three other friends from high school and myself, almost every week for the last few weeks, we've been talking and the Lord's been given some opportunity to share. It's just, it, but, but one of the questions came up like, well, like if you, if you could go back and change something, what would you change? And, and honestly, I feel like I live with no regrets. I feel like, you know, a lot of those things have shaped who I am today and no regrets. And, but man, one thing I just thought of is, I, I wonder if I would have just been satisfied with just Jesus and me longer. I wonder, like, like if I hadn't given my heart away to those three or four or five different women over the years, if I would have just been okay with, all right, Lord, when the timing's right, when the timing's right. Because you want to know what, I'm not just like, I mean, Becky's not even, she's probably not even going to listen to this, you know. Uh, and she's not here. You'll make sure? All right, all right. But man, I, I, I really do believe this is that there's times I, like I'll wake up in the morning or I'll just be walking throughout the day. I'll look at my kids, I'll look at my wife and I'll be like, man, I sure love my family. Man, I, man, I sure love my wife. She is so, man, man, I love these kids. And I just say, thank God, in spite of myself, that he didn't answer those other prayers. Man, his timing, huh? His timing's perfect. Hmm. Uh, Here's another one about um, why persistent prayer. Character. Character is another, and then this is, man, this is another, I mean, it's no, no fun. You guys wanted like a warm, fuzzy, like Holy Spirit moment, and I'm just going to give you a couple that aren't going to give you warm fuzzies, but maybe you'll, maybe you'll keep praying, right? What about our character? Oh, man. So there's sometimes there's things that he needs to develop in me. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3 and 4, says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces what? Oh, man, this is a fun one, right? Suffering produces perseverance. Man, I like the doctrine that says that we shouldn't suffer. I like that one better. But number four, the verse four, I'm sorry, perseverance produces character and character hope. Here's my question for you. Maybe you should write this down and meditate on it. What character quality or attribute does God need to produce in me so that I can effectively accomplish my assignment? What character quality or attribute does God need to produce in me so that I can effectively accomplish my assignment? There are some things, man, there's some, there's, there's some, you, I, I told you about six things that, that might hinder your prayers and all of this and whatnot. Sometimes it's none of those. Sometimes there's this place, there's this character thing where God just, he's like, he wants to, but he knows that he needs me to develop this area of character at a greater level so that he can use me here. And that's not fun. I don't like that. But man, I want to be used by God. I want to be fully equipped. I, want, I, I don't want him to hold anything back. And so I'm saying, all right, Lord, whatever it takes, mold me, shape me, be the man of God that you've called me to be. Do the same thing in my wife and my kids and this church. Lord, whatever it takes. And there are some times where he's developing something in me and developing something in you. And, and he's like, son, daughter, don't skip the process. Don't skip the process. Could you not skip the process? Like he's waiting there. He wants to answer it more than you want him to answer it. He wants your breakthrough more than you want your breakthrough. He wants your freedom more than you want your freedom. It's not for lack of desire. It's, there are some times where he's like, man, but, but this is producing some really good stuff in him. We're just going to wait just a little bit longer. <sighs> I think you guys like that one. 
Here's the fourth one. Here's the last one. There may be more, but this is my list. So you will like it. Spiritual warfare. This is a biggie. There is stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't see sometimes. In fact, most of the time we don't see it. Most of the time we don't see this. One of the best pictures of this is in the book of Daniel chapter 10. Starting in verse 12, it says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Who's talking here? An angel. Here's the the setup. Man, Daniel prayed 21 days before. And finally an angel comes. And he says, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For some reason, like all angelic greetings begin with that. They must be like some scary big things. I don't know. I, to my knowledge, I haven't met one um, with my physical eyes anyways. Man, I, I don't know. But every time they show up, it's like, hey, do not be afraid. Whew, you're one of the good guys. I guess that's angelic protocol. He goes on, he says, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, which is a demonic dominion over a whole region, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, anyone remember Michael? He was an archangel, Michael and Gabriel. Michael's a big one. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what must or what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Man, this, this is a picture, picture of, of, of something. The, the Bible gives us a little bit of a window of insight into what happens regularly. Man, you get a, you have a, an off-the-shelf angel, just got his duties, right? He's like, uh, private first class, sir. And he gets, the, he gets the scroll or something, right, from, all right, take the answer to Daniel. Yes, sir. Somewhere in between, there's a principality called the Prince of Persia that just, man, they're duking it out for a long time, like 21 days. A 21-day fight in the spiritual realm. Now, I don't, some of you are going to have questions about that. You can call me, text me, email me. And I'm gonna, we'll, we'll talk. I'll probably just say, I don't know. <laughs> probably. But for 21 days, there's resistance. And then Michael, the big one, He comes, and his sole mission is to help defeat the prince of Persia or at least get him off his game a little bit so that little private first class can continue on. I wonder if Daniel would have given up praying on day 20. What would it have been like? I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament gives us that. It says, it says that, do you guys remember? Our battle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against the, the rulers, against the principalities, against the powers of this world, spiritual forces of evil. It's like that's what our battle is. But man, how many, how many times do we feel like it's against flesh and blood? How many times do we feel like it? Man, you know what's interesting? That that place in Ephesians, the, 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 the armor of God and, and that spiritual warfare, in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, right about, do you know what it comes right after? A bunch of like relationship stuff. Comes right after like parents, you know, treating their kids right and kids treating their parents right and, and, and your, you know, bosses, they call them masters then, but bosses and uh, I mean, all kinds of relational stuff. And then it says, hey, guess what? Our battle's not against flesh and blood. In other words, all of your goings and comings and your dealings with people and you think that, you think that your spouse is the devil, 
no, 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 it's not him. There's just a, there's a devil right behind him. It's not him. It's not your coworker. It's not your boss. There's something else. There's something. If you could peel back this realm and you could start to see, man, there's a war that's going on. And so the persistency in our prayers to not give up because one of the big reasons that, that it takes time is for whatever reason, in God's kingdom, in God's wisdom, he set this thing up where there, there is a clash of kingdoms and where we believe that God could just with his pinky finger just move everything. For some reason, he, he uses us and uses our prayers and we fight and we don't give up in the midst of spiritual warfare. Daniel's prayer was heard before, I believe, before the words even passed through his vocal cords. Why? It says, from the moment you set your mind to gain understanding. I think before the words even passed through his vocal cords, his prayer was heard. Drawing prayer circles often feels like a long, boring process. It's frustrating when you feel like you've been circling forever. You start to wonder if God really hears if God really cares, sometimes his silence is deafening. We circle the cancer. We circle our children. We circle the dream. We circle our marriages. And there's, sometimes it just seems like it's not making a difference. And then what do you do? Here's my encouragement. Keep circling. Circle for 70 years if you have to. What else are you going to do? Where else are you going to turn? What other options do you have? Pray through. Pray through. We live in a culture that overvalues 15 minutes of fame and undervalues lifelong faithfulness. Don't give up. There's a man some of you guys know in history books, a man named Winston Churchill. World War II, October 29th, 1941. He was addressing... Um, Harrow School. There was a, this is a little excerpt. I, I love this speech. There's a little excerpt from this that I've learned a lot from. This is Winston Churchill in a British accent, by the way. Sounds much better that way. You cannot tell from appearances how things will go. And he's addressing a room full of students right in the middle of World, World War II. Sometimes imagination makes things out far worse than they are. Yet without imagination, not much can be done. Those people who are imaginative see many more dangers than perhaps exist. Certainly many more than will happen. But then they must also pray to be given that extra courage to carry this far-reaching imagination. But for everyone, surely what we have done through this, in this period, I'm addressing myself to the school. Surely from this period of 10 months, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing, great or small, large or petty. Never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We stood alone a year ago. And to many countries it seemed that our account was closed. Anyone feel like that? We were finished. All this tradition of ours, our songs, our school history, this part of the history of this country, were gone finished and liquidated very different is the mood today britain other nations thought had drawn a sponge across her slate but instead our country stood in the gap there was no flinching and no thought of giving in and by what seemed almost a miracle to those outside these islands though we ourselves never doubted it we now find ourselves in a position where I say that we can be sure that we have only to persevere to conquer. I think much of that could be said of us, don't you think, in this spiritual battle? Pastor Kelly and your team, you can come. Never give up. Never give in. If your heart 
is right before God, if you're clear before God, if he has your heart and you have his, you've done the hard work of, of seeing, is there anything that can hinder? Is there anything that's, that's, that's blocking? Is there anything hindering this whole process of prayer? And you've done that hard work of, of clearing your heart, and then you're in this place that just says, I, to the best of my knowledge, I'm praying in accordance with his will. And he says, would you not give up? Would you pray with me, son? Would you pray with me, daughter? Never give up. Never, 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 never in nothing great or small, large or petty. Never give up. We've ended 21 days of prayer and fasting, and my commission to us as, a, as your pastor is can we keep going? There's some things that made your prayer list in the last 21 days. There's things on my prayer list. And the Lord says, would you keep praying? Would you keep contending? Could we stand this morning, church? We're going to have a potluck here in a few minutes, and uh, the food's going to be there. I would encourage you, even if you didn't bring anything, would you come? I'd love to, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk with you. And it's one of the best ways that we could get to know each other is when we're not looking at the backs of people's heads, right? And uh, there's, a, there's a turkey, I, I, I think, or a couple turkeys. I think there's a ham. I think there's a bunch of, a bunch of other stuff. Someone said lasagna. But can I just say, could, could, we, could we pause here in this holy moment at the end of 21 days in this challenge, I believe, from the Holy Spirit to never give up? Can we present our hearts once more before the Lord? Don't rush this moment. In just a second, I'm going to have Pastor Kelly and his team lead us in one last song of worship. And at the end, I'll invite prayer altar teams to, to come up here to the front. And if you want prayer for anything, for anything, but there, there may be that one thing that you're thinking, man, I don't want to lose. I don't want to give up. I don't want to throw in the towel. I don't want to say no mas. I want to I keep going. And you want someone to fight with you this morning. I would, I'd encourage you to come forward and let them pray with you. But before we do that, could we just present our hearts before the Lord with one last worship song?
Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer teams forward, and you can stay in here as long as you need. If you want to, the worship team will keep playing. We can keep an atmosphere of prayer in here. If you want prayer for anything specific, come up front, and they'd love to pray with you. Your kids are ready to be picked up, and then a little bit, migrate out to the front, and we'll have tables set up, and we'll go ahead and eat together today. God bless you guys. I love you very much.